I'm Jake Miller from the Educational Duct Tape Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect those of others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Coming up on episode 56 of Podcast PD, we put students in the driver's seat with Tracy Enos. This is Podcast PD, the show that provides you with anytime, anywhere professional development. Our conversations and guests will provide you with the learning you might get in a faculty meeting or on a PD day. Except you will have more fun with Chris Nessie, AJ Bianco, and me, Stacey Lindis. What is up, Podcast PD people? This is episode 56 of the best podcast named Podcast PD. I'm joined by my podcast compadres, Stacey Lindis and AJ Bianco. And of course, I'm Chris Nessie. What's up, AJ and Stacey? How are you doing? Wait, I have a question. Are there other podcasts named Podcast PD? There should be, and in which case we'd be the best one. Well, then I take that. We are the best one. So how are you guys doing? All right. How are you? I'm doing well. I had bull testicles today. Oh, my God. Ew. You just really threw that out there. I know. <laughs> what? I, I'm, I'm owning it. I think you need to explain. There's, there's got to be a better way to own it than be, before you even get into this. Like you just threw that out there for people. Say, like, hey, let's put on Podcast PD. Boom. Put that in your face. Ew, no. <laughs> anyway, so tell us the story of your lunch. Or was it dinner? Or was it just fun? <laughs> it was what? It was for pleasure. So today, my father and my brother, <laughs> we went to the Major League Baseball Food Festival in New York City. And so it was all about cowballs? No, we went there two years ago. And the whole premise of this event is that all 30 Major League teams basically send one food specialty that they serve in their stadium. So, for example, this year the Yankees served shrimp po'boy sandwiches. AJ and I still can't figure out how that says the Bronx, but that's what they served. Um, and there were like some local cuisines local to the area. So the Colorado Rockies, they this year were serving Rocky Mountain oysters, which is a fancy way. Well, fancy is I'm going to use that term loosely is a fancy way of saying bull testicles. You had me at. No, you lost me on both of those. Absolutely no. Oysters, bull testicles, whatever it is, no. It was chewy. <laughs> uh, they kind of look like chicken nuggets, like chicken fingers. Oh, my God. Please just stop. It's so gross. Wow. They also had a all-you-can-eat self-serve, soft-serve Sunday bar. So you're self-serving, soft-served bull testicles? I don't understand. All right, you combine testicles. Yeah, you just, you're just combining everything. I think you just want to say that word over and over again. <laughs> I'm just shocked. Wait, so, so who had the soft serve? We all had soft serve. No, no. What I'm saying is like, who sent that? Oh, that was just in general. Like they oh. just had that there. Courtesy that was, of Major that, was a, that was a palate cleanser. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you need something. But th there were some unique food there that you know, uh, yeah, we enjoyed it. it. Sounds like it. <laughs> For example, the Arizona Diamondbacks, they sent churro dogs, which is uh, a hot dog bun that has a churro and ice cream and whipped cream. And then they sprinkle like cinnamon and sugar on top. Is it a regular like, hot dog bun? Yeah. Oh, I can see it being something different, like um, like, like a, a more dessert type. Yeah, that's why I'm asking. Okay. But that at least sounds good. Basically, what it boils down to is how many different things can you do with hot dogs? Uh, pulled pork, chicken, and anything bull else. Bull caviar. Bull caviar. There you go. So it was unique. Had a great day. What did what, the Mets send? The Mets sent, they, they called it their bases loaded dog, which was a uh, hot dog with some uh, cheese, nacho cheese, and bacon bits and chives. Well, just like the Mets, that doesn't sound like a winner. Uh -huh. I mean, it was a hot dog with bacon and cheese. So, I mean, the Colorado Rockies wasn't winning. You couldn't, just, you couldn't let me have a Mets joke? 
right? You just you had to kind of travel them because <laughs> the Mets can't win. No, all right. Is that your team? No, no right? I'm a Yankee. Like, come on. No. Right when we record this thing, anytime there's a Yankee game on, I stare at the TV screen. You know this. This is true. The Yankee game is not on tonight. Right. They've already won and clinched a division. All right. Well, it's either the Yankees or the Jets that distract you. The, so well, it's fine. The Jets don't distract me anymore. <laughs> We're right. over that. Anyway, so you've definitely had a more exciting life this weekend than I have. Kudos to you. How are you, AJ? How's admin life? <laughs> admin life. It's going well. I have a lot of work to do. Don't we all? Yeah. I mean, it's not much different. It's just I don't deal with kids now. I just deal with big people. Big kids? Big kids. Sometimes kids. It's been nice. A lot of the teachers have invited me into their room. And uh, when they have me in, they actually introduce me to the kids. And it's pretty cool. That's my favorite thing to do when an administrator comes in the room is to stop what I'm doing, introduce them, and awkwardly make them a part of whatever I am doing. Exactly. I love that. <laughs> I don't mind. Like I actually, I actually like that. So. It's been it's been a different experience, but it's a good experience. Yeah, Stacy, what's going on in the world of uh, the little people? Uh, little people? I mean, they're not so little. Two of them are already taller than I am. Yeah, so they're still they're still babies, though. They're not though. But um, I met their parents on Thursday, and that was a good time. Um, I will say, you know, we've had back to school night episodes in the past, and we've had loads of advice and information to share on the topic, but um. This is the first time I've gone to back to school night and really felt confident speaking in front of adults that are, you know, related to the children that I teach. I attribute it to the seven years that I've been out of the classroom speaking to adults who take care of other people's children. But um, it was kind of nice just to feel confident. And uh, I will say, even if you're not a coach ever, um, I would practice those speaking skills in front of other people so that you can fine tune that skill. It's the most comfortable I've ever felt in my entire life in front of parents at back to school night. That's pretty cool. That's great news. Yeah. Enough about me. So that's it. That's all you got. I and it's all I got. I'm lesson plans. Lesson plans are are killer. Maybe we'll have a separate episode about that. So AJ, what do we got coming up on today's episode? So today's episode, we actually went into our Voxer group that we use for the summer. And we reached out to a fan of the show and a favorite person of ours. And that's Tracy Enos. And uh, Tracy Enos is uh, really helpful when it comes to our Voxer group. And it come, when it comes to a lot of the things that we've done throughout the year, uh, she promotes the show. She loves the show. She's a listener. So we reached out, asked her if she wanted to be a guest. And here she is on this episode of Podcast PD. <laughs> All right, Podcast PD listeners, Tracy is lucky enough to spend her day surrounded by energetic eighth graders. She's an English language arts teacher, and she's entering her 11th year in West Warwick, Rhode Island at Deering Middle School, and she is honored to be teaching in the district she grew up in. She is forever a wizard. Tracy is passionate about opening doors for her students to create, collaborate, and communicate with one another and the world around them. Welcome to Podcast PD, Tracy. Hey, Chris. Happy to be here. Super excited. I've loved listening to your podcast for a long time, so I'm just happy to be part of the conversation. Thanks for having me. We are certainly happy to have you. It's been a great summer conversing with you and hearing your feedback on the podcast that we had for our Podcast PD Voxer group. Um, your insight is really what led AJ to say, why haven't we had her on the show? Big question mark, big exclamation point. We're happy you're here with us. My reaction was something along along the lines of, damn it, he's right. She should be on. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) No, Tracy, you've definitely been on our our top of our guest list for some time. And this summer just kind of solidified, like, get her on the show, do it quickly, make it happen. Uh, I remember I heard you on, I think it was Cult of Pedagogy years ago. And that's when I started getting into, like, my ideas of blended learning and playlists. And when I heard you, I was like wow, uh, we need to talk to her. And then like you popped up and I was like, oh my God. So that, like, that was my, that was my uh, rock star moment with you. So appreciate all the stuff you've been doing over the summer with us in our Voxer group. Appreciate everything that you do for your students. And I'm very excited to learn more with you on this episode. Why don't you tell us 
about your classroom before we go any further? Like Chris said, I teach eighth grade English, and I have about 100 students or so with a wide variety of needs. So I have, you know, kids that struggle with reading and writing and kids that really fly and are just super excited about it. So as a teacher, I feel like it's my job to kind of meet kids where they are and help inspire them and help um, offer them real life experiences where they can grow as readers and writers. So I've been doing it for a number of years, and um, it's just an exciting adventure every time. Every class is different, every student is different, and the conversations that we've been having in education have varied with the, you know, the different learning experiences that we can offer our students. So I feel like every year is new, and everything is different, but that's what makes teaching exciting. So that's kind of where I am. I feel like I'm always starting over, which is great. We love September because of that. I, I feel like I start over every time the bell rings and a new group of students walks in. So yeah. I get to start over three times a day. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Although I do feel that the class I teach last and, and in my school were block schedule. So the class I teach on the B day, last block of the day, I feel they get the best experience because I've made all the mistakes I've anticipated all the questions and I guess on the other side, I feel bad for that first time I teach the class where it's like, yeah, this is a whole experiment. I really don't know what's going to happen. And uh, let's make the best of it, kids. <laughs> you need a rotating schedule. That's what we have. I do head. not yeah. want a rotating drop <laughs> oh. block. No, uh-uh. <laughs> we have that at our high school. I think that's such a brilliant idea. I wish they'd bring that down to the middle school because mm-hmm. I think that, um, that type of freshness, like you're saying, Chris, like it, it's helpful for everybody. And then your last period of the day isn't always your last period of the day. Like the same group of kids where like they're, they might not necessarily be getting your energy and you might not necessarily be getting their best efforts either. You know, you can go listen to house of ed tech episode one Oh eight, where I talk with my dad about the drop block. And uh, I loved that episode on that. (laughs) Yeah, but he wasn't sure about it yet because it hadn't taken place yet, right? Like he was. It's taken place and it was still not a good time. Oh, we have a rotation, but we don't drop. So I don't know if that would be easier for you. I say keep it as simple as possible. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But but part of what I was getting at, Tracy, was, you know, the experiences that we create in our classrooms for our students, you know, the, these real life experiences and how we build relationships. And one of the reasons we wanted to talk to you is we believe you do that very well because of some different ideas you've expressed in our Voxer group. So we, we can all hear a chat together about these learning experiences that we create and we want to kind of shine the light on you a little bit. Yeah, so something that I'm really passionate about is just um, putting students in the driver's seat of their own learning and giving them opportunities to have that control over their learning environment. What does it look like? What are they interested in? You know, how does this process look? And I feel like going along with what we were saying, how we feel like we start new every period when we have a new class, it's important to recognize that my period three class is different from my period seven class. And in fact, something that I've been really focusing on lately is I don't have a period three class, but I teach Tony and I teach Damien and I teach Dylan. So how can I individualize my instruction sitting in front of 27 kids, knowing that they need different things. So what are ways that I can put them in in control of their learning so I can individualize it? And for me, you could stand up in front of the class and do a lesson and but you're not necessarily reaching everybody where they are. And you're not able to talk to all of the kids individually as well. So I feel like you know, using the different tools and strategies that we have to individualize our instruction and then giving our time, not just to all whole class lessons, but being able to see and work and talk to the kids one-on-one is the gold. That conversation that we have with the kids is what changes learning. And it's what, it's what inspires and what, what helps kid grow. So I'm all about, you know, how can we individualize this? How can we give kids control you know, over space, pace, process, and product, you know, and I use, I do use technology. I blend my instruction and I feel like it's magical in ways that we're able to do where we couldn't do it before. I couldn't meet the individual needs of my kids. It, it was, there wasn't, it wasn't possible in this respect. 
um, like it is now. So that's something that I'm totally passionate about. Now, based on what you said, one of, I guess, some of how I do that with my high school students, and for the last two years, I've taught ninth graders, which are not too different from eighth graders. No, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) In my classroom, I do a lot of what I classify it as project-based learning, where it's a lot of group work, project work, a lot of opportunities for, you know, creativity. I mean, the, the, the only thing that, that you're missing that I say is critical thinking is that fourth C. Mm -hmm. So those are the verbs of, you know, my classroom. So one of the ways that I think that I am able to meet the needs of my students is to give them that opportunity to try all of these different things. And, you know, each project that I design, whether it's me and my co-teacher, sorry, my co-teacher and I, your English language teacher. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. No grammar police. Words are uh, your friend, not your That's enemy. a whole different podcast. <laughs> um, we create these opportunities for our students, and it's a lot of us going around and conferencing and having conversations with the groups or with the pairs or the partners or even just the individual students. Uh, what does it look like in, in your classroom? So I think, yeah, I think it's, it's definitely, it's a, it's a mix. So even if I'm going to do a mini lesson with the class, I generally use a, would use a tool like Edpuzzle or something like that. So even as the kids are watching the lesson and they're learning together, I can get immediate feedback and hear every voice because I want to know that every student is getting it. Um, so once I've kind of gauged how it is, then I can sit and I can move, you know, student to student and really work with them, or I can pair them up and they can have that conversation. Cause I feel like that conversation is where we build on each other. And when the kids are working together and they're collaborating together, they can challenge each other in, in ways that, you know, working by yourself, you're, you're not challenged. So I feel like that, you know, critical thinking is thinking deeply about something And when you're learning about the world and learning about what you think, it's important to have that sounding board with people. So just sitting in a class and listening to what someone else says isn't the the best way to do it. Um, So the more time that I can have my kids working together, the better. Absolutely. See, I think this is so important. Like your focus is on eighth grade and as I was teaching middle school and I look at my eighth graders and they step up to high school a lot of our kids these days don't have those skills. They don't have the skills to communicate with other people um, face-to-face especially. So I, I think your your classroom sounds like it's set up for success for our students. And it sounds almost like you're coaching them as opposed to just teaching them, which it sounds like to me when you put something in front of them, it's not just like here's information that you need. It's going to be on your test. This is absolutely 100%. Here's information. Let's think, let's talk to our friends about what we're learning and how is it going to fit in the real world. So that, that real world piece is, ex, is especially important to me. So what do, what do you see as your, as your vision for real life learning? What do you want your students to take away from a day in the, in the life in the class of Mrs. Enos? One thing I would want my kids to walk away with to know that their voice matters. So as a writer, their voice matters and the world deserves to hear it. So if I can get my kids into a place where they can think about a topic and they can reflect on it and write about it and then share their thinking and recognize the power in that, that's what what I'm going for. So someone who reads critically and thinks about other people and, and we talk about empathy, you know, we talk about you know, recognizing theme or the so what in a piece of literature and then how that applies to our lives. So I want, you know, my kids to be able to think about the world in that sense and then recognize that what I have to say matters. So I have my kids blog and I have my kids write. And at first they're very nervous and they're, and they don't feel like anyone would care about what they say, but then they have that authentic audience and they're reactive and it strengthens them. So I want my kids and, and all the different realms that they're in to recognize that their voice matters and the world deserves to hear them. So I don't know if that quite answers your question, so to speak, but I feel like that there's nothing more real than that. There's nothing more real than sitting in a conversation and sharing your thoughts. There's nothing more real than admitting, wow, I used to think this way, but I heard what you said and now I think this way. 
you know, having that conversation, there's nothing more real than that. You know, and it's interesting too, I'm sorry, Um, but but even as you were saying at the beginning, some of the things about the different structure that the kids are learning, I, I feel like in this process, my kids are learning about learning and they're learning about how they learn best and what really drives them as students and as people. You know, at the beginning, they were very confused by, what do you mean we can work at our own pace? Or what do you mean, just tell me what to do? You know, <laughs> I get a lot of that. Just tell me what to do. So when I wanted them to choose I still topics, get that at Rutgers with the college students. Yeah, teach, just, just, just give me directions. Just tell me what to do. Or, and they weren't used to reading directions. You know, I would say, log into Edpuzzle, watch this video. And they would log in and they wouldn't be watching the right video. They would just watch whatever's on top. You know, because they just react. They're used to, here's this handout, here's this thing, this is what you're going to do, this is what your graphic organizer is going to look like, we're going to work on the thesis statement today. You know, but when I gave them that, they had to learn how to think for themselves, had to, when I gave them an option of research, I didn't tell them what to do, but they had to figure out, I gave them some ideas, what works best for me. And they also had to figure out timing and scheduling and budgeting and conferencing. And, you know, so that was really beautiful for eighth graders to learn you know, about themselves in that way. And I, and I definitely got kids that were like, just tell me which one to do. Cause it's easier that way, <laughs> but that's not writing. And that writers, you know, have to think about, they have to wrestle, they have to question to figure out what they want. So I wanted to give them that, that experience. So one of the things that you said in all of that, um, that I found most intriguing was that you said that they're learning about learning. Like, how do you coach them through that process? I know you said that you give them some examples of how you do it, and you guide them to it. But I, I mean, you know, they're only 14, they're only 13 years old. Like, how do you, Chris is saying he still has, you know, adults who are struggling with this. Like, so what are you doing to make it something that they're successful in on a day-to-day basis so that coming to your classroom isn't a frustration and that they feel that they have the guidance that they need, but also the um, the capacity to, like you said, move at their own pace and kind of you know, be in charge, be, you know, be the driver of their own learning? Well, I think one thing that I always try to do is always model for them. So I'll always talk about myself as a learner and how that process looks for me and what helps me or what do I notice? So, so showing that visual thinking, you know, is, is really important um, when you're working with kids and, we also we do a ton of discussion. We do a lots of different sharing, and they they realize that even when we take a task, how there's a lot of different viewpoints for it. And I know for me, it's really important, especially in middle school. I want to I want to capture them and what they're interested in. So it doesn't take long for some kids. As soon as I say no, really, you can research about why this baseball player is the best baseball player. You know, they're on board. And then we talk about real writing. You know, we talk about what, what does this look like in the real world? You know, when would you use this statistic or fact and different things like that? Um, when we talk about, you know, learning, I, I try to offer them a lot of different strategies. You know, if we're learning a lesson, I might have a video. I might, and I always, even when I blend and I use different technology tools, I'll always say, see me if you want a face-to-face lesson, because I'm happy to sit down. And some kids like that. They like to do something face-to-face. So I give them lots of opportunities for different things and different expressions. Um, and I feel like it's patience. It's, it's just patience and conversation and talking them through. Um, you know, maybe it's that fifth or sixth question that gets them thinking, yes, you know, I can do this. I can invest in this. It just takes time. How do, you know, how do we research? There's no magic. Google isn't magic (laughs) in that sense. You know, it's just, you know, what do we do? And then we talk about it and what works for me, what works for someone else. It's conversation. Tracy, one of the other things you mentioned, you had talked about that you have your students blogging. So the ed tech antennas went up, Uh, (laughs) but you also mentioned the idea of the authentic audience that your students are now sharing with for your students in Rhode Island. What's the reality of the authentic audience? What's been your experience and who is the authentic audience for your students? Well, a lot of times I try to connect with other, well, number, number one, we have the kids on our, in our class, the kids on our team and even someone for, for a student that's usually quiet in class, just, 
you know, I've seen amazing writers just blossom with blogging because I feel like their true selves can come out. So even having someone in the same class, you can see their blog and you can be like amazed at how creative they are. And they've never really shown that in class itself. So even as far as the class, but we do, you know, I share it with our team and then I share it with our school. So just other teachers. I know I shared it with our faculty and I'd have like their fifth grade teacher would comment and that would be really amazing for them to, you know, read about. But I've also connected, I spent some time developing relationships with other teachers through Voxer, through Twitter um, and different things like that about other teachers who are blogging and how I can have you know, our classes connect with each other. So they've been connected. So they'll get random comments from kids in California. Just, you know, that, that excites them because everyone likes to get comments on their blog, you know, so that, so that excites them. Um, sometimes they share it on Twitter. There's um, comments for kids is a good hashtag to kind of get feedback for kids. Um, I have them share it with their parents. But really, I mean, it really is they're as excited just to get comments from other kids in our school, you know, that they talk about and having that authentic audience really makes them think about what they write and and it helps them shape their purpose and that's why we write to share in this in this respect so uh, it really is it really is powerful no i i like that and i'm glad that that actually is the reality because that's the reality for my kids it's sharing with the people in their class um i always have these bigger dreams and these aspirations you know especially now that i have you know, the podcasting gear where I really want to put their voice, literally put their voices out in front of the world and, you know, really give them the widest possible authentic audience. So we'll share with each other. There you go. <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah. And I've been doing, I'm excited this year because I've been learning more about writing workshop and, and really like, how can I up the ante and give my kids greater voice? So in the past, I've had them write, we do self-selected reading in our English class. So I've had them write so, semi, you know, genius hour slash like joy core kind of thing. It's something inspired by their reading. So it could be creative. It could be research. It was really wide open. But this year, I think I'm not just going to have them write about what they want to write about. So it's going to be about all different things. I'm really excited about it. Uh, my kids have told me that this is, you know, they're like, Messina's, we talk about our blogs at lunch. And that means something. You know, like that was, I was always like, oh, that's so cute. You know, that's awesome. You know, that's awesome. That's what real writers do. You know, oh, I really, I liked your blog. It was really good. Like they talk about it, which that's is awesome. Our, our lunch is like 19, 18 minutes long. So that matters. Wait, you, you mean having conversations face to face isn't this? This is bad for podcasting <laughs> yeah. because I'm holding... A screen in front of my face while I talk to my friends. <laughs> no screens at lunch. <laughs> Wait, so is this your first year with writing workshop? Just out of curiosity. Well, I mean, I've done, I, you know, I think I've done as a secondary teacher, you kind of do like a writing workshop light where everyone's doing a narrative piece or everyone's doing an argument. And I feel like I, I blend that instruction. So to me, everyone's doing different things, right. which is like a workshop. So it's a little bit of a, um, I don't know, hybrid of it. Uh, in, in a sense but now I'm just really jazzed by the idea of let's just write and I'm going to have them choose what they write about which is scary in high school and I know elementary they probably do it more often but you're used to the argument unit you know the yeah. narrative unit but now you know how do I plan my mini lessons what do I do but isn't that really what we want to do we want to have kids you know engaged and excited about what they're doing and we want to we want to meet them where they are we don't want to bring kids to our curriculum I don't want to bring my kids to my curriculum. I want to bring my curriculum to my kids. Yeah. Like, I don't where want to bring they my are. kids anywhere. No. Well, yeah, yeah, I don't. <laughs> but yeah, so I feel like I'm going to do more of like a, a, like a, like what I would think, like a real, like what do writers do in the real life? They don't all, okay, everyone, we're going to write argument right now. They write what they feel, what they care, what's inside. Right. And I like, I, I mean, I don't know how um, you said you do it light, like writing and reading, reading, writing workshop are always my favorite part of being a classroom teacher is just like where I felt my kids had the most struggle because again, you're not feeding them the ideas. You're not telling them exactly mm -hmm. what they need to be writing about, but it's also where I saw the most creativity and the most growth because mm -hmm. they could express themselves in ways um, that they, you know, that they weren't necessarily forced to do. You know, I, I had a kid who loved writing about superheroes and like, and video games and like, and and his parents, you know, would always say, like, how do we get him to write about something else? And I was like, we get him to write different 
different um, genres about the same thing. So like maybe like this one time he's doing research on it, but then the next time he's writing fantasy about it. And then the next time um, he's, you know, he has to spin it into some type of realistic fiction and that's, that's on him, but you know, it's his topic. He's going to grow into that. And then when he grows out of it, he'll be a better writer for it. Absolutely. And, it was, and one of the things that I always kept in mind was like, you know, not everyone needs, like you're saying, it's, it's a workshop. So like not everyone needs the same thing at the same time. Um, so I, I always remember like the hardest thing for me was like making it an invitation to participate in my mini lesson and not a mandate. And, um, only because, you know, we know that not every, you know, like when you're, when you're coaching on a soccer field, not everyone needs to learn how to do the corner kick. You At know, the Chris same might, time. Right. Maybe they'll need it later. Maybe they need it before. Yep. Right. And you know, Chris might have that corner kick down. He needs a different skill. So when it's like all of that conferencing work, I, I just, lo- I love reading and writing workshops. So yeah, I'm glad you're doing it in eighth grade. <laughs> yeah, and I think, and, I, and I've been talking and, and about how I can use, you know, blended learning with that because I can record many lessons and I can sit down in conference and I can have those tools and those mentor tracks ready at hand. And there are some universal lessons, which I've been really kind of thinking about writing, you know, how it, I'm sorry, this is getting, we're talking about lots of writing here, but, um, you know, what, what, you know, writing looks like, what effective writing, and there are some components that you can ride with that no matter what piece, you know, the kids are writing. But like, man, imagine if Stephen King's teacher was like, you should really write some happy stuff, you know, that would be, you know, awful for him. Like, let's just let him, let's let the kids write what they want to write, you know? Then he still could have written about a clown. Oh, yes. (laughs) It would be a very different story. (laughs) You're going to get off the scary stuff, Stephen. Oh, but we can't tell him what to do. He's written non-scary right? books. Oh, I, yeah. All I know is the scary stuff. Oh, no. You should read 112263. Honestly, it's one of the best books. Oh, really? And then when I was when I was a freshman in high school, we read The Eye of the Dragon. Oh. And that, like, I remember getting that on my, um, on my freshman reading list and thinking, I can't read a Stephen King book. I don't like scary books. I don't like anything scary. And um, I read it, and it was amazing. So... There and right. and then he also wrote on writing, which was oh yes yes, you know, there you go three books that are not scary but eleven twenty two sixty three but when he was thirteen I bet there was a lot of scary oh I'm sure <laughs> Chris I'm you were excited we about eleven twenty two sixty three yeah absolutely I was excited um, not because I read it but because they did the thing on he watched was it, it. Was, AJ was it on Amazon I think you said Hulu I didn't watch it because I didn't have Hulu. It was Hulu. It was uh, James Franco was in it, and oh, they did it. It was like an eight episode miniseries that went through the story, but obviously as a as an eight episode show. Oh, you should read the book. Hmm. The book is always better. If you like the movie, <laughs> you like the the show, you'll love the book. <laughs> we'll see. I'll step off my soapbox <laughs> now. <laughs> All right, Tracy. I'm going to go back to the blogging for one second. <laughs> okay. Because I'm fascinated by this, right? Because I'm thinking about 13 and 14-year-olds blogging and creating content that they're sharing with their friends that they're very vulnerable in this situation. I'm thinking about myself. Yes, we're doing the podcast. Yes, I put my voice out there. When I think about my blog, I haven't written a blog post probably in about a year. And the reason I haven't written anything is because I am afraid to put something out there. Also, just because I have an idea doesn't mean I want to go on and on and on and on and on and blog about it. So how do you convince your students, or maybe this just comes natural based on the work you're doing in your class, how do you convince them to actually sit down, think of a topic, and just go off on it? And now as you're talking to me, I'm going to write this down because I'm going to take I'm going to take some copious notes on this because I'm going to start blogging again at some point. <laughs> well, I do some kids. I do give them some type of structure. And actually, we were having a conversation earlier today about creativity and how uh, structure does help it. So that, in a sense, and we also talked about having a sense of urgency. So they're doing it. They have an assignment. They have to do one blog post a month. So if you had someone giving you an assignment, you'd probably be like, oh, I really have to do this. So they're constantly, I let them pick when they write it. They don't have to write it by a certain, they could write it, you know, February 2nd if they want, or they can write it at the end of the month. 
Um, so they're kind of reading and thinking about what could I possibly write. I also, I do give them some loose topics that they can use as jumping off points, but because they're writing about different things, it's not always applicable. Sometimes it's about reading in general. You know, sometimes it's about what they write in their books. I also give them time to talk. So we have what are called topic talks. Because in my head, I think of a writer's room. Actually, we're talking about writer's rooms, too. Um, and writers just kind of bounce ideas off of each other. And I always tell them when we do our topic talks, you know, this is when you want to listen to your audience because you're writing for your partner. You're writing for the person next to you. So you need to think, is it going to be something that they're interested in? You know, how can you make it more engaging? And I give them an opportunity to talk, ask questions, offer suggestions, maybe even say, you know what, it, you know, this might not be the best topic or they'll get excited about it and say, I can't wait for you to write it because I want to read it. So that sharing their, even sharing the seeds of their ideas gets them excited because they know, oh, John really wants to read it so you know I should write it um for me like as someone who just you know would blog or, or just do my own blog outside of a class I, I would think if it's something that you care about and that you're interested in you know you're a thinker and a processor and just by just by sometimes I write to know what I think so writing itself helps me think about things deeply and kind of formulate my own ideas whether or not you want to publish it or not, just that process is really helpful. So I would give yourself a goal. You know, I would say, all right, I'm going to write one blog post a month. Or, and then even the, the fact of thinking about it or carrying your little writing notebook, my, my little rocket notebook that I write in, um, you, you, when, you're, when you're thinking about something, you jot down ideas. Like, it's like it, when, you, when you're thinking about something, you see it. Things pop into your head. You know, when you, you, you're trying to look for positivity, you see it. You know, so I feel like those writing nuggets happen to us, and it's just a matter of listening to what's going on in your head and realizing that there are people, you know what, honestly, who cares what other people think? I know it's easier said than done. You know, people might not read it at all, or, or not, or you might not get likes on Twitter or whatever it is that you're doing for it, but it doesn't matter because you're writing for yourself. That's what I always kind of think about. And I, and I write to show my students, you know, any teacher who teaches writing should share their writing with their kids. And that goes for social studies and science and every class. Like, how awesome, you know, Chris, if your kids in social studies are blogging and they see your blog and what you're writing about. Like, they would love that. So just do it. That's it. Do it. <laughs> so, AJ, what do you want to write about? Yeah. Blogs are all different. That's the thing about blogs. And you could have, like, five pictures and be like, this is my blog. This is it. This is my image. You know, this is it. It doesn't have to be an essay or a poem. I mean, it could be, but it doesn't have to be. It's all different formats. You could post limericks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't. I don't have anything like I really want to like write about. But you know, I feel like I've needed an outlet to kind of clear my head. I feel like, and I'll be honest with you, since I made the transition now to school leader, I've been sitting behind a desk having very little conversation throughout a day because there's nobody there right now. Um, so I've been like, I've kind of been like itching. That's why I've been so active in the Voxer group. Um, <clears throat> just because I, I feel like I just need somebody to talk to. I need to bounce ideas around and there's not kids there that are going to be like, Hey, Mr. Bianco, great idea. Or, you know, how was your weekend? You know, even small things like that. I absolutely miss that, you know, after doing this for the summer, but I just think about some writing that just just to kind of, like I said, clear my mind and just refocus on education because I still want to be a learner. And, and no matter what I do, I'm always going to be a learner. And that's why I asked that question. And I think it's really easy to say I'm too busy, you know, to learn, you know, so to speak, not consciously. But we do say that. But when you force yourself, this is my deadline. I need to do this two blogs a week or whatever, not a week, maybe like every other week or something like that. That kind of forces you to say, what's my topic? What am I thinking about this week? And then that will bleed into everything. I like it. I, I, I like it. You, you gave me some things here. I, got, I wrote down. I got my rocket book here as well. Oh, I got mine too. Which one you got? What do you got? This is my big one. This is uh, my big one. But I recently got the small little mini one. Oh, I had, that was my first one. I got see, the small. No one can see this. but I know we can see this. No, we, <laughs> yeah. And nobody really cares I right forgot, now either. I forget. We're just talking. I got a little like pocket one mm. that I'm in love with lately. So I just got it. I just got a new one. It's called the Fusion. <gasps> you got the Fusion? I got the Fusion. Shut up. It's the like Fusion. four months wait on Amazon. Huh? The, I, I ordered it the day I got an email. <sighs> I got an email. I ordered it that day. 
It's got a task list. It's got a calendar. It's got a planner. It's got like 50 pages. So the rocket book. Yeah, don't look at me like that, Stacey. What rock- the, uh, so you have to tell me more. Like So the rocket book. You know the rocket book. The rocket book is that magic. I know what the rocket book is. I actually have one. I'm returning so, it, but I so do have one. Don't do that. It's, it's continuously <laughs> Give it to evolving. Your kids. Yeah. It's continuously evolving. And like, I love that there's dotted pages, there's line pages, there's the planner, there's the calendar. It's all the things that I need right now. I got this. And it's not really, I'll be honest, it's 35 bucks for a notebook that's going to last probably forever because you continuously use the pages. And it goes into your phone and you can take pictures and have it in your Google Drive or email or Dropbox or whatever you prefer to use. Oh, wait, 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 tangent. Because you guys are going off at, about this rocket book, did you see that I saw on Twitter today? Because I was on Twitter, um, there is a hack that if you take a Google picture and you open it in Google Docs, it transcribes it for you. So it takes your oh, handwritten notes, and then it turns it into text that is typed. I didn't know that. I did that in Google Keep a couple of times. Yeah, could, I know. But I didn't know, Keep. I didn't know Drive did that or Docs did that. Yep. Sweet. I'll see if I can find the uh, the put Twitter the post notes. that I saw and put it in the show notes. It was just super cool. Tangent to the tangent, Google Keep now has dark mode. Saw that. I was excited. So slick. So slick on the phone. I love Google Keep. I like dark mode. <laughs> now, how do we get back from this? I have, I have no idea. Where are you, Mr. We uh, were talking speaking about... Speaking of darkness. Mr. Transition. Mr. Podcast over here. If you could present or attend PD on any topic, what would it be and why? Am I cheating to say, well, I'm in the middle of a PD about writing workshop right now and I'm loving it, but I'm, I'm literally in the middle of it. And I, I feel like, and, and our PD is amazing because we've got, you know, history teachers, elementary teachers, music teachers, reading teachers. It's not just English teachers. So I feel like they're being empowered as writers. So they're coming in as teachers who think, well, I can't write or I'm not good at writing. And they're being empowered as writers. And they're going to bring that into their kids. They're going to bring in the struggles. They're going to bring in the, well, how do I know what to write? Because you know, we've got, you've got kids in your classroom that don't know what to write. So they're, they're relating to, um, they're thinking as students right now. They're actually doing it. So I feel like that PD that we're doing right now is really powerful. So I would broaden that out to say any PD that puts teachers in the role of their students to actually learn what they're doing, I think is valuable. I don't know if that. When you say that, (laughs) see, uh, I might be misinterpreting it. Uh, I've been in PD sessions where the PD is led as if I'm the student and uh, I is that what you literally mean? Because I'll be honest, I hate to be treated like a high school no. student. <laughs> well, you know, then I guess, you know what I would say? It's about authentic learning. Okay. So if you're being led in a way that the activity makes you feel like, I don't want to do it. You know, what are we doing with our kids then? You know, what kind of learning are we making them do? So if it's not an authentic, like this is what a real social studies, you know, a social scientist would do as they're going out and getting information, you know, so if you're having, if, if so that is telling in itself that if, if the PD that we're offering and the strategies that we're teaching people, you wouldn't want to do, and we're not even talking, obviously you're not a second grader that's going to sit on the rug, but uh, you know, as a high school student, like you should want it, you should want to do the activities that the kids are doing in some right. respect, I think. So then I'm, then I would have to question, well, what, why are we doing this to begin with? I, yeah, I'm just speaking from I've been I've been walked through some different aspects of social studies curriculum and strategies. You know, again, no offense to reading and writing, but how to apply some of those concepts to uh, to social studies, and it's just maybe just the way it's presented it just seems really tedious. And I walk away thinking, I just you could have given me a handout and just ah, I didn't want to do it, and then I'm less likely to want to turn around and put my kids through the same experience. Yeah, exactly. So then think about how a 16-year-old would, ref- would, you know, apply. You gave me something to ask yeah. on the first PD day. And uh, in another PD, I will ask. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I question things. Good. That's good. Tracy, I, I think we had a blast speaking with you for this episode. Would you agree, Stacey and AJ? I agree. I, I agree. 
And and Tracy, do you agree that you have fun I with totally us? I totally agree. <laughs> I love it. It's, I love it. Now, obviously, as, as a friend of the podcast, let's consider this the first time you've been on with us because I have no doubt, based on your perspective and your point of view of education in the world, that we're going to want to talk to you even more. So hopefully you'll pre-accept an invitation to come back. Absolutely. I a thousand percent. And for those who want more Tracy Enos in their life, how can they connect with you and make you a part of their professional learning network? Oh, I should know my Twitter handle. I believe it's at T-A-Enos 99 E-N-O-S. So reaching out on Twitter is great. That is definitely your Twitter handle. Is that my Twitter handle? Yes. I never really remember. I don't tweet myself. Yes. <laughs> so that's great. I do love Twitter. <laughs> T. Enos on Voxer, I believe, is my Voxer handle. Also love Voxer. And anyone who's listening should join the Podcast PD Voxer group. Because Twitter is great, but there's something about hearing each other's voices. Even in this conversation, I feel like I know you guys, and we've never met. And I'm seeing you for the first time here, but hearing each other's voices is what builds that, you know, collaboration and camaraderie. And that's what teachers need. Teachers need people. They need, they need a team. You know, they need a family. Well, Tracy, we really appreciate you joining us on the show. Um, I'm really, really happy that you joined us all summer long, that you added your insights to our Voxer group. Um, It really was amazing. And I thank AJ, too, for making all of this happen. He got in touch with you. It was his recommendation from the get-go. And um, we have really learned a lot with you in our episode of Podcast PD, but also in our Voxer group. So like Tracy said, join us there. We are planning to keep it going all school year long. And um, thank you again for joining us. And we'll we'll talk to you soon. Bye, Tracy. Thanks for being here, Tracy. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, guys. So, AJ, I love that you recommended Tracy. That was such a spectacular conversation. Like you said, she really did just bring so many great things into the Voxer group. She has so many insights. You know, she's definitely one of those teachers that um, is definitely looked at as a mentor to others. And um, I hope people get a lot out of our conversation with her. My one, my big takeaway was everything she shared about blended learning. So definitely go back and re-listen and be sure you actually go out and connect with Tracy. We'll have all of her contact information out in the show notes for this episode at podcastpd.com slash 56. So what do you say we do our recommendations for this episode? I'm looking at our notes, and I think we have four good recommendations because, yes, we did get one from Tracy, which we will share before we leave you in this episode. So who wants to go first? I'll take it. This week, I'm going to recommend a podcast for you that I've listened to. uh, Some over the summer that I started that I've been kind of jumping in and out of uh, throughout my travels to and from work. And I'm going to recommend for you Work Life with Adam Grant. And while the entire catalog of his episodes have been phenomenal, I kind of stumbled upon his episode in season one. It's episode four called Your Hidden Personality. Uh, and this episode really kind of focuses on what we think about ourselves and whether we see ourselves as an introvert or extrovert. Uh, this is something that they tackle in the episode. So I'm just going to read it to you as it is, and I'll give you my little feedback. Uh, The synopsis is, are you an introvert or an extrovert? You might not know yourself as well as you think. Adam Grant talks with quiet author Susan Cain and visits a workplace where personality training starts even before job training to help you discover what your traits really are and how you can stretch beyond them. Now, I thought this was really cool because, you know, we hear a lot of conversation and even, you know, in our self-thought about ourselves. We always say, oh, I'm an introvert, oh, I'm an extrovert, or I'm a little bit of both. Uh, The way this episode digs in, they really kind of focus on the fact that you're not either. You know, there there are personality traits that actually you can take the test and do all those things, and it's not true. You know, you are what you want to be, and and however you see yourself may be the wrong way of seeing yourself, and you kind of fall into a category, and I think we all do it. You know, I kind of look at myself, I'm a little bit of an introvert. but, you know, I'm reading all these different articles about being an introvert as a leader or being an extroverted introvert. So you can say whatever you want about yourself. But I guess what it comes down to is how you present yourself to people and how you present yourself to yourself. 
And that's who you really are. And this episode is really great. So uh, give it a listen. If you stumble upon any other episodes by Adam Grant, I'd love to hear which ones you're listening to. Uh, He's putting out some new ones and uh, I'm really enjoying it. So give it a listen. I love Adam Grant. I've listened to, I think he has two or three seasons. I can't even remember anymore. I love his show. And I know it's actually one of the things that came up in our Summer Voxer group. I think Brian Kulak recommended one of his episodes as one of our lessons over the summer. Is that right? That is correct. That's how I got started. You know, I, I kind of listened to that one that he recommended uh, with Trevor Noah and The Daily Show. That was great. Then that was a good one. And I was like, let me see what this is all about. I kind of got hooked on the other episodes. And I think he just started a season three, I believe. He's still going and, and the episodes are, are really, are really enjoyable. You know, the good, the good thing is they're not super long. You know, they fall between like 25 and 30 minutes, which is an ideal time, especially, you know, for a drive or for a workout or just kind of free your mind for a little bit. Yeah. And there's definitely um, some good notes that you get out of it. Yes. All right. Well, before we get to Stacy and myself, so when we spoke with Tracy, she gave us a recommendation. Now she's not here for this now, but let's go to the audio clip of Tracy talking about her podcast recommendation. Take it away, Tracy. So one podcast that I would definitely recommend is called the Workshop Teacher Podcast. Um, This is a podcast by an English teacher named Amanda who lives in Washington. And she's talking about the Writers and Readers Workshop. And she's breaking down all of the ins and outs and what this could look like in a classroom. So if any teacher out there is interested in how can they, you know, spark creativity and engagement and authenticity in their students with writing and reading, I totally would suggest checking it out. I've been like binging these episodes like crazy and her blog is awesome she's got really good resources out there so that would be my suggestion thank you tracy that's a solid recommendation and uh, we will of course include a link to that podcast in our show notes at podcastpd.com slash 56 now before we get to uh the mamma jamma that is i think we just have to nickname her the number because (laughs) that seems to be what it's all about i'm going to share something new and it is the And I'll also share it for selfish reasons, but I'm sharing in this episode, the Burned In Teacher podcast with Amber Harper. Now, the Burned In Teacher podcast is all about going from being a burned out teacher to being burned in human. On this show, Amber Harper interviews teachers who are or have gone through burnout, and they share with the audience what they're doing or have done in the past to beat burnout. Amber also interviews experts in the field of teacher burnout, education, and productivity, happiness, and basically all things burn in. Uh, There are also episodes where she shares her own experiences, and she answers questions from listeners in her Burned In Teacher community. Now, I share that because I'm now the new editor for the Burned In Teacher podcast, and I've been a longtime listener, and now I get to help craft that show with Amber, and I'm a fan of the show. And um, I should probably be punched in the face for not sharing it previously. But now that I have some control over it, definitely worth a listen. And you can find it at burnedinteacher.com. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thanks. Uh, Amber has been really cool to be connected with. I had sent her some emails and reviewed her podcast, you know, when I first came across it. And it's a part of the Education Podcast Network. And, you know, it's another another thing I'm doing. So. There is more on my plate besides, well, we're not going to go back there, but yeah, you got it. <laughs> yeah, but that's awesome. I mean, um, I think we heard about it, like you said, when she originally uh, had her podcast added to the EDU Podcast Network. And um, so it's good that you're, you know, doing another show. Moonlighting, if you will. Moonlighting between moonlighting. <laughs> that's That's funny. That's what I'm here for. And now for our numbers clip of the week, let's go to numbers herself. Take it away, Stacy. Okay. So I don't remember what my number was last week or last time. Do you remember? Million. Million no, one. It wasn't a million. It was up there. Anyway, I did not get any good feedback on how to get my number down. And it just keeps getting bigger. But um, I am at 1589. Seriously, I just have problems. Um, I don't have. <laughs> it's just horrible. <laughs> I don't have the time to listen to podcasts like I used to. And there are all these books that I want to listen to. So that's where I'm at, 1589. But I do have a new recommendation, something that I picked up this week. Oh, my God. Maybe that's the the podcast junkie. Seriously. 
But here's the thing. So I only downloaded one episode. You'll be proud of me. That's pretty I good. I don't have time to listen to anything, but here's another recommendation that I grabbed. Because, all right, so this week we had- Wait, hold um, on. Maybe we don't let Stacy make a recommendation until she gets it back to at least three digits. That's it's favorable. Ugh, Helps fine. Helps me out a little bit. Maybe I just have to listen to some things and tell you something that I've listened to. That's, that's a great idea to do a podcast. Listen to them. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, no, so I went to, we had, um, we had two separate trainings this week for professional development and one of them was math Institute. And then the second one was, um, teachers college and our staff developer came, we had a choice to look at books, many of which I've already seen perused or, you know, skimmed, read, whatever. And then she is like, or you can listen to some podcasts and here are three options. I'd never heard of any of them. So we did that. And the podcast I'm recommending today is called Middle Grade Ninja. And it's a podcast. <laughs> it's a podcast about reading and writing middle grade novels utilizing ninja, stealth, and skill. Robert Kent interviews fellow authors and various publishing professionals to discuss the craft and business of producing middle grade and young adult novels. And um, episodes are also available as videos. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I think it's really cool. So you can learn more at middlegradeninja.com. But um, the episode that I listened to was um, the episode with Dan Gutman, because I know a lot of my kids read those books. And um, I have a lot of those books in my library. And the staff developer recommended that maybe this would be an appropriate podcast for listening with students. So I listened to it. We kind of like skipped around, moved ahead. because it was over an hour long. So this is part of the problem too. Like when these podcasts are over a certain length, it's kind of hard to listen to them, but um, especially with fidelity. So anyway, I digress. Um, don't listen to this one with your students if you are a fifth grade teacher, because he talks about losing your virginity and the Twilight series and how he hated Harry Potter. So that right there just kind of made me mad. But um, that being said, don't listen to this episode with your students either. Right. But it was just, I was just like taken aback, but just by like the drop of the virginity word. And I was like, well, now I can't listen to that or not at least recommending the whole episode. So make sure you preview. This is advice I give you. I give you with from experience. Make sure you preview um, all that you listen to. You know, there are definitely things that I've recommended in the past where I'm like, this part only is safe. That's my recommendation. Middle Grade Ninja with Rob Kent. Nice. Four more recommendations in the books. Thank you again to Tracy for her recommendation. And thank you again to Tracy overall for taking time to speak with us to be on this episode of the show. Again, if you go out to podcastpd.com slash 56, you'll be able to connect with Tracy, connect with all of us. And uh, life is good. Hey, guys, we got some feedback. We got an email that I'm going to share. Cool. Let's go. Cool. All right. We got an email from Mary Jo. And her email let us know that her favorite podcast is Kathy Heller's Don't Quit Your Day Job. She also had a similar obsession with another podcast by Debbie Reber, or it could be Debbie Reber. I'm not sure. Words are hard sometimes. And it is called Title Parenting. And Title is, according to our notes, spelled T-I-T-L. So she says that they both have amazing guests, relevant topics, and they speak from the heart. So thank you to Mary Jo for emailing us her favorite podcast. And we will, of course, have links to both of these podcasts in our show notes as well. If you want to ever share any feedback with us, please go to podcastpd.com slash feedback. And there are more than enough ways for you to get your voice here on the show. So thank you again to Mary Jo. Thank you, Mary Jo. Thanks a lot. I'm looking for that podcast. I can't find it. Oh, good. Sorry. No one for Stacey did. No, I'm just looking for it. Way to go, Mary Jo. Just anyway, feeding the habit. <laughs> Enabler. That's what this show is all about. <laughs> we feed Stacy's addiction. There are worse addictions. True that, yo. <laughs> <laughs> was a good one. Well placed. Good job. I think that'll do it for episode 56. Stacy, wave your magic wand. Oh, we need like magic wand music. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> it's been a pleasure speaking with you whenever you listen to this. And we look forward to bringing you more great contact. On that note, say goodnight, Christopher. Good night, Christopher. Say goodbye, AJ. Goodbye, AJ. Bye, Podcast PD. 
I'm excited. Stop it. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Podcast PD. For links to all of the resources mentioned in this and every episode, please visit our website, podcastpd.com. You can connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at AJBianco. And I also blog at AJBianco.me. You can connect with me on Twitter. I am Mr. Nessie. And I would love it if you also checked out the House of EdTech podcast over on chrisnessie.com. You can connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at irontech, and I blog at irontech.me. Connect with Podcast PD on Twitter and Instagram at Podcast PD. We would also love to have you as a member of our Facebook community. Go to podcastpd.com slash Facebook to join. You can help us reach more educators like you by telling someone else about the podcast. So share us with a colleague, and if you do it on social media, please make sure to tag us.